This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us again for another week. It's been a fairly quiet weekend after some really busy ones of back-to-back racing in both supercars here in Australia and Formula One. We had a weekend off MotoGP, the only racing around. That changes though this weekend with, of course, the Formula One circuit making its way to Silverstone and we have the supercars making their way to Darwin for a doubleheader next weekend and the weekend after. So all that to come, previews and the like over the next couple of weeks. Nick Perkat, a dual winner in season 2020 for the V8 Supercars from Brad Jones Racing to join us very shortly. We'll have a chat to him and Krause about uh, his career so far and we'll also catch up with uh, Dale Rogers as well who'll join us to have a bit of a Supercars and F1 chat at the end of the program. All that to come right here on The Grid. Well, Crosley, great to have a chat to this man. He's got two race wins to his name in 2020 after having one race win for his career, apart from, of course, the, uh, the big Bathurst win that he had with Garth Tander very early on in his career. His name is Nick Perkett, and he joins us from Brad Jones Racing. G'day, Nick. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thank you, mate. Dual race winner. It's a lovely title, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. Um, yeah, the car's been getting better and better, and um, yeah, it's I feel like it's a bit of a long time coming, to be honest. Uh, you know, we had a bit of a rough trot there. BJR with um, crashes and all sorts of anything and anything would go happen at it happen. So, uh, yeah, it's probably slowed our development down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, the car was pretty strong last year and it's just getting kind of better by the weekend. I think the interesting thing, Nick, is that while the last two rounds, especially in Sydney, have been so unpredictable with the tyre rules and the high deg at that circuit your race wins haven't been overly influenced by that. This has been a genuine, you've had front running pace in every round kind of effort, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, like it, that started off at the preseason test day and then, you know, we went to Adelaide and um, unfortunately we had a mechanical failure in race one, but then I think we finished seventh and we had no rear anti-roll bar. It broke mm-hmm. on like, like five. So like, so it's how fast the car is to finish inside the top 10 um, when you don't actually have all the suspension components connected. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, then we kind of yeah, had that little COVID break and um, gave the you know, car a little bit of a tune-up, understood the philosophy a little bit more. And then, yeah, like, I don't think anyone's won by the margins we've won um, in the races that we have won. Um, so, yeah, for me, the, the second SMP was, um, you know, it was quite positive. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's won by the margins we have. Um, so, you know, you have to have a fast race car to do that. And, um, you know, that Saturday, right? Uh, Sorry, Sunday race one. Um, you know, Fabian ran the same strategy as me. Um, he was a fast car all weekend and beat him by eight odd seconds. Um, and then the, the second race on the Sunday when we all ran hards, um, you know, I was reusing hards because I ran hards in race one. Um, and we beat Scotty and Fabs by 14 odd seconds. So it's, you know, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of criticism about the way we're winning, but. Um, on Sunday, the Penske cars and the Red Bull cars were nowhere near us in race mm. pace form. So, for me, um, our car's fast. Um, you don't win weekend to weekend for no reason. Um, and, you know, look, Scotty, 
for me, everyone's got the same opportunity. So they all took the opportunity in race one on Saturday night. We were going to, but then we realized our car was quite fast on on the hards. So we got halfway through race one on Saturday and went, hold on a second, like we can actually just put hards on again here and finish inside the top 10. Or we could put the soft on and maybe probably get to a podium. But we took, you know, we, we had a fast car and hard. So why wouldn't you um, keep a little bit up your sleeve for, for Sunday? And then, um, yeah, we actually didn't think the soft would be reusable um, for the second race on Sunday, like, and Penske tried, and that probably really bit them in the ass. And so, yeah, I think the way BJR is going about it is, is really good. Fast cars and um, understanding the tyre and the strategy quite well. You, this feels like something that's been building though, Nick. You, you were the king of sort of sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth last year. Had this amazing run of top 10 finishes just on the cusp of mixing it up with the, the Red Bulls and the DJR cars at the front of the field. So this, this just feels like it's been something that's building, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, for us, we always had a very fast race car. Um, you know, we would have top three race pace um, mm. over the race graph, but we would be qualifying too far back. So then we, we changed our philosophy a bit, tried to get a bit more one lap pace out of it and improve the front of the car to be able to do that. And um, now this year, you know, we're qualifying just a row further up the grid. Makes such a difference. Instead of qualifying 10th, we're qualifying 6th, 5th, 3rd, you know. Makes a huge difference. So you can actually take advantage of opportunities when they come your way. So, you know, exactly like what happened at the first round at SMP, you know, that Sunday morning, we didn't go into that race saying, let's put it all in this race. We actually realized we had a very fast car at the start of the race caught Jamie and then went, well, why wouldn't we go all in? And then the same thing happened again on the next time, but it was this SVG in front of me. And um, so, yeah, it's, you know, now we're in an opportunity. Uh, we're in a position to take opportunity. So it's only one racetrack though. So we'll see, hopefully Darwin um, was a bit of a battle for us last year, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see how we go. You brought it up earlier, Nick. It's been a long time coming three podiums prior to this year out of 91 races. How tough was it to keep the motivation going in yourself? Um, oh, it wasn't too bad. You know, I spent two years at LDM where you don't expect to get a podium at all um, or be in the top, top 10. You did have um, that great win at Adelaide, though. That I did have a good win at Adelaide. Year. I had a Bathurst podium as well. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. You know, like a lot of the guys I get compared to, um, so you Scotties, Chaz, um, definitely my era of Super 2, they have had a much easier run at it. <laughs> um, you know, Scotty came into GRM when they were in good form, landed himself in a Volvo, bang Penske. Um, Chaz straight into factory PRA at the time. You know, I had that set up with Walkinshaw and then, you know, whatever unfolded there. Um, didn't end up in the red car like, you know, the original plan was. So I ended up at LDM and, you know, you spend two years in a different environment where you get frustrated. So it's taken a bit of a rebuild phase to get myself back to where I want to be, you know, mentally heading to race meetings um, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you don't just forget how to drive. You don't, you don't race against blokes like Mitch Evans and Stanaway and Pye and Chaz and Formula Ford and absolutely dominate everything you've ever done before and do no testing and say a Porsche and rock up and, you know, we could have run the championship there if it wasn't for a bloody drive shaft breaking. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't have such a good uh, building into your career and then suddenly just forget how to drive. So it's, it's good. You know, Brad put a lot of faith in me. Um, you know, and we were, you know, when we signed my deal back in 2016, we knew it was a long-term you know, we got a lot of things to iron out. We need to get, you know, we know the speed's there, but we need to kind of tidy up the, the stuff around me. So, um, yeah, credit to Brad and the team. They've, you know, stuck it out and worked with me and um, we've learned as a group. And, yeah, you know, we're really starting to extract the best out of each other in the last probably 18 months, to be honest. 
how much easier is it for you as a driver this year compared to those years at LDM? <laughs> is it just, does that confidence in you, in yourself, just build now and the confidence in the team that you surely wouldn't have had back in those days? Yeah, look, I had a lot of confidence in my ability then. You know, I thought I'd often be kind of outperforming where we probably should be. Um, but yeah, you get no credit for that because it's yeah. not, you know, you're not, you're not inside the top five and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, look, it was just a, a lot different environment. You know, I, I wouldn't change the way I've had to go about it. I think I appreciate what I've got a lot more than a few others out there um, now uh, because, you know, I've, there was times where we were at LDM until two, three in the morning and I'll be dropping off food to the crew, trying to help get the car ready, bloody show them how to start the thing in 2015 because we had, had such a new crew before Adelaide. Like I was doing engine run-ups. Like it's, people don't know what actually was going on in the background. So, you know, Lucas did the best of what he had. Um, you know, the budgets weren't there to be able to run a current triple eight car and have, you know, all the fruit. Um, but you know, we did what we could and, um, you know, without what he did and Simon McNamara and my manager at the time, Hendo, you know, I would have just disappeared. I don't think I would have been still in supercars. So as tough as that was, you know, um, it's, you know, kept me on the grid for a start, <laughs> got yeah. a few more podiums. Um, taught myself a lot and then yeah just had to kind of rebuild a little bit just due to kind of frustration of watching your you know your scotty and Chaz and those guys having success when you're like far out i just want to be in their position so um i think that's where a lot of it kind of stemmed from and you know now i'm happy where i am and brad's back me and you know i'm very comfortable in my environment i don't feel like i'm looking over my shoulder worrying about if i'm gonna have a drive or anything like that it's um i'm very much ingrained in the team at bjr and me and brad work extremely well together and um myself and the team work well together so it's uh mm. it's a very good match at the moment yeah and it feels like that looking from the outside as well uh, you, you touched on 2012 there a remarkable championship and you also touched on the fact that while your three main rivals that year scotty and Chaz especially stepped into really good rides the year after that hrt opportunity didn't come along for you like perhaps it was planned so you went to carrera cup and and I'm fortunate enough to call that year and it was an amazing championship. Was that year important for you? It just felt like a bit of a break between that Super 2 season just to sort of reset and then obviously you moved into supercars after that. It seemed like it was a reasonably important year for you to just kind of re-establish, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. You know, we did the Super 2 thing for a couple of years there with Walkinshaw and, you know, they put me through the program and we did everything we could and, um, yeah, you know, we went up against some really fast cars when Triple Eight ran a car, Tickford. Um, how was Nelson doing? You're right, but um, <laughs> when, yeah, when Triple Eight ran a car and Tickford, um, then obviously SBR was Scotty. Um, mm. You know, between all of us, I think you know I had the most race wins, but I also had the two DNFs in that 2012 year that cost us anything. And then, um, you know, I also had that crash in the Enduros with Garth at Bathurst. And then from that moment on, you know, it was looking like walking control weren't going to run a car, but I didn't find that out until you would probably know, you know, a couple of weeks before Adelaide. Yeah. Um, so, you know, then I put that deal together with BRM, uh, Coates Hire, who'd been a long time supporter of mine, um, and uh, Morris Finance and had a family. We all kind of banded together and we went out to Winton, I think seven days before the car was on track at Clipsal. And it was the first time I ever drove one. And um, was quite happy with the way that test went. We were extremely yeah. fast. And then we, <laughs> You know, we rocked up at Adelaide and I still didn't know how to drive a Porsche, you know. Um, but we rocked up, you know, set a qualifying lap record. Couldn't figure out how to get the thing off the line because I'd never done a start and I was used to a line locker. And 
yeah, we just had a good solid year. And for me, that was about reminding people of probably the raw pace. You know, the the race wins took a little bit longer to come than they probably should have that year. Um, but when you when you're smacking people in qualifying by six, seven tenths um, every single time without any real knowledge of the tire or anything like that, I think that was probably the the blessing in disguise. And then. Um, yeah, and then you know the Bathurst slapping quality. That yeah, was. Um, I was going to bring it out. up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring it up, Nick, because it's one. Of, it's the best quality lap I've seen in a cup car at, at that mm. joint, and it just moved the benchmark so far forward. It was like McLaughlin in the threes, or even Murphs yeah. lap in the supercar in 06. Like it was. I mean, does that you still look back on that lap and go, "Yeah, that was absolute maximum attack, full on drive." Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I've got the onboard from that lap, and um, it's yeah, it's a very special lap. You know, there, there's. When I watch it, I think far out. What, what the hell were you thinking? Like <laughs> that is over the over the limit in a lot of spots on the way up to the it cutting. Was. Over, um, you know, McPhillamy before we turned down the skyline. Like there was pretty loose, and even breaking into the chase. The thing was, you know, the nine nine seven used to be a little bit dicey, flat through the chase, and this thing was pinned and pinballing itself under brakes and stuff like that. And you know, laps like that were what. Um, you know, it was good for me to be able to remind people that, you know, when you get the car, you can do the job. So, yeah. And, you know, once we um, sorted out the starts and stuff, the race wins came and um, it was it was actually funny. You know, little fun story to those starts. The bell housing actually had the slightest crack in it. Really? And wow. the zero to a hundred was affected so massively because I used to launch and be ahead of the person next to me. And then I'd get out dragged through the gears up to turn one. Yeah. And then we actually put a different bell housing in it at Winton and I never lost a start again. And we found it actually had a crack that you couldn't see and it was twisting and causing drag through the driveline. So fun fact, I spent all this time trying to get good starts and we just had to change the freaking bell housing. So Really? Yeah. And on the quick exclusive, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was actually something we found quite late, obviously, in the championship. But uh, yeah. yeah. And then I went into, yeah, you know, your 2014 with Walkinshaw and I think I finished 11th in the championship and then it was yeah, all yeah. like, pulled the wall from under my eyes and uh, had no drive. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. You talk about the, the change of fortune that it gave you going into career cup. And I suppose it's testament to career cup and being the series it is because very similar thing happened to Andre Heimgartner, didn't it? Yeah. Had, had really, you know, low in confidence after his couple of years at LGM into career cup, all of a sudden finds out he can drive again. And we see him doing some great stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I actually had the conversation with him when we were at LDM about Cup Car and um, driving there with Sonic um, to try and you know get some runs on the board again and remind everyone. And um, yeah, it's a it's a very good category for showing who has raw talent, but also has good racecraft because they're so hard to pass um, yeah. in those cars. And I actually found a highlight the other day of me and Richard at the Gold Coast when I slithered down the wall up the inside of him to try and keep the championship alive and stuff like the moves you make in those cars are yeah. always high risk because everyone's tapped out and uh it teaches you a lot of race craft and opening lap stuff and it was cool racing uh bed over my championship year because he was always up to something to stop me a bit of warm-up <laughs> lap you know hard on the brakes and you know nearly right at the back of him and stuff like that there was always a bit of action with Bedo, so it was, yeah. uh, it was cool yeah, typical Bedo. um Let's talk Darwin, mate. Now, 12 months ago, you and Maka, your temporary housemate, ended oh, yes. up parked in the same bit of fence uh, <laughs> early, early the weekend and your team had to thrash to get both cars fixed, which they did to their credit, which was just outstanding. Um, but, but just give me the scope on, on heading back up to the Territory. Two rounds up there. Uh, yep. Do you feel like you're reasonably well-placed to carry on this good form? 
Yeah, I think so. I think we've got a decent understanding of what we've, you know, been achieving with the the front of the car, um, which is giving us our lap time, but, you know, now controlling that on a different type of corner. Um, that's going to be the, the telling bit. Um, yeah, I think last year our cars were not great up there. Um, mm. The year before they were decent and the year before that I was on the podium. So, you know, we've had runs there um, where myself and Slady have stood on the podium, um, but last year wasn't one of them. So, yeah, I think if we can just kind of methodically go through it, uh, understand the changes we need to make um, at what point of the weekend kind of thing. Um, you know, we're not raced up there this time of year. It's going to be, I imagine, a little bit warmer than what we're used to. Mm. Um, the track condition could be a bit hotter. So, you know, the, the way the car reacts and the way you get the, the grip out of the car is different. So, you know, even weekend to weekend at SMP, this car setup was totally different because there was no cloud cover. So now we're going to an even more extreme UV level on the circuit. So that's one where I think, you know, we can maybe get caught out a little bit, but I think we recovered it pretty well at SMP and had a good idea of what we need to do now going to Darwin. So time will tell. If we don't get it right the first one, and then we have another shot a couple of days later. Yeah. If we leave the second one without getting it right, we'll have to have a good hard look at ourselves, really, because, you know, I actually like the back-to-back. It's kind of like F1 when, you know, the driver gets interviewed and, you know, oh, we just didn't have the setup today. Now, yeah. in every category in the world, you're back there the next week. Yeah. <laughs> so, actions speak louder than words. If yeah. you can't back it up and sort it out, um, you know, don't bother saying it. So, we'll see. It's a tricky place, isn't it, Nick? They're like 2.8Ks, but 1.1 of it's all straight. So yes. there's 14 or 15 corners jammed into a K and a half around the back. So it's really quite a technical little circuit. It is. It's uh, very hard to be at the front at Darwin. The lap time is extremely close. So I think we, you know, we qualify there within a second for the 24 cars. Yeah. Um, the top 10, to get into the top 10 is extremely hard. Thankfully, now we have a top 15 shootout. So it gives you a little bit more wiggle room. but um yeah you know you're chasing in ultimate lap time you're chasing that half a tenth to a tenth and a half that'll be the difference between being in the first two rows and being probably you know tenth to twelfth so it's definitely a hard one um you know key points of the track obviously breaking at turn one after such a long straight and then the next extremely important point is actually the drive onto the straight um so yeah it's interesting you got say turn one huge breaking point um very long corner with a lot of load on the um the right rear and then two corners later at the slowest corner we go to i think <laughs> bar maybe tassie hairpin and it's a very tight hairpin first gear and hard to get the power down so it's kind of got a little bit of everything and then that last sector is actually kind of semi-flowing and fast so yeah it's hard to get the car right and you really need to try and it's one where Sometimes maximizing your strengths don't give you enough lap time. You also need to tune up the, the weakness because um, they can be hurting you more than um, just trying to, you know, exploit what you, your strengths might be. So it's, it can be a little bit different for tuning. And the combination of softs and hards again for the first yeah. weekend in Darwin. Less laps though, obviously. So you're doing less Ks. Strategy is going to be interesting because some people may be tempted to go just a little bit longer on softs because I'm not sure whether the deg is going to be as bad as Sydney, but, there still is a bit of deg there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, but yeah, nowhere near. Like, we aren't going to be seeing a five-second lap difference kind of thing. Um, I'd say it's probably a second, second and a half maybe. Um, yeah, but say for me, like, the, the beauty of our car at SMP was the long tyre game. So, in all the races, we went very long. And um, 
you know, we would look at our race graph after and be like, yep, you know, Fabian and those guys and Chaz and a few of them could run with me for the first 10 and then their deg was quite big and I'll just keep trucking along. So, you know, for us, classic BJR, you'd probably notice that we'll probably go long <laughs> again. But um, then again, if the deg's not as high, you can't go quite as long because you don't have enough time to run them down yeah. at the end. So mm. it'll be interesting. Race one will be telling to see if someone, you know, just pits on lap 10 and gets the elbows out because it is probably a little bit easier to defend your position there than SMP because um, you need to just make sure you get up the last corner well and off turn one well and you're kind of safe for the rest of the lap. So, um, yeah, it's going to – I think we might see a little bit more desperation at starts and stuff like that because it is so hard to pass where SMP, I thought, people weren't courteous, but it was like, all right, I'm not actually racing you. I'm racing the bloke two cars ahead of us on the same yeah. tire strategy or this or that. picture thinking, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, you know, you'd come through turn two at Eastern Creek and then be like, okay, you know, say for me, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm racing Fabs. I need to be ahead of Fabs. And you'd just do whatever you did to get in front of Fabs and whatever happened around you kind of happened. And if you lost a spot to someone coming through on soft, it didn't matter. But Darwin, I think track position will be absolutely king. Two quick ones finally from me, Nick. Um, they've tweaked the tire regs for qualifying. Yep. So you have to run the hards in quality yeah. and the shootout, which is probably the right decision because that shootout yep. that Croppo second got round his way sitting, yeah he did which is <laughs> well he's on the commission so why wouldn't you um <laughs> it's um that well, i think that's a smart decision i'm, I'm sure you agree and, and secondly just just a little comment to tommy randall he did a super job in super two and yeah uh he lines up with you for the enduros this year must be really looking forward to that or the enduro this year yeah, so the, the tyre thing is, I think that's positive that we're all on the same tyre for quality. So, yeah, you're lucky you saw it at Sydney. Some of us ran reused softs because we didn't want to put more laps on our new ones. Mm. Some ran new softs, some ran hard. So that was a bit bit average and kind of took the spark away. You know, you say like Todd rolled out on reused hards and you're like, yeah. mate, you're just going to be two seconds off pace. And it's not really, I guess it's also hard for the commentators to talk up a lap when you're Definitely. like, this bloke is wobbling around out there <laughs> on, the wrong, on the wrong tyre compound, let alone... Um, used one so yeah i think the hard thing will be good it'll i think it'll actually mix the grid up because not all the cars responded very well on hards at smp where say like us that was our strength our car was mega on hard so um yeah hopefully it works out again for us and then tommy randall he's doing a really good job you know he's had the weld thrown at him this year um mm. hate to be in his shoes and he's just kind of keeps chipping away and Nothing's putting him down and he's um, doing a good job and um, getting the results on track, which is really good. Um, and turns out he's, he's paying attention to flag points and restarts. Like <laughs> I didn't even see that one on the onboard when they showed it. It's like, mate, yeah. you've either somehow found a flag point and a yellow flag or genuinely were looking at it. Yeah. So <laughs> credit to him. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's been super fast. Qualifying pace has been mega. So, you know, mm. for me, heading to Enduros, it, it looks like I'm going to have a guy that, you know, can pull a lap out of the car and um, come Bathurst, him doing laps and stuff like that is is perfect because it's going to be more important to have a good weekend at Bathurst now because, you know, who knows what could happen with the championship. We might only do one more round after Bathurst or who, like, it, honestly, who knows? So you need to have a, yeah. every race meeting needs to be maximised because um, we don't know how many rounds we're going to do really. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy to have him on board. Yeah, so you should be. Final one from me. You've been away from home for a few weeks now. A uh, few weeks to go, and it could even be extended that you might be away right the way through until Bathurst at least in October. So it could be another eight or nine weeks. How are you coping? Yeah, so when did we get on the road? It's about a month or so now, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. For me, I think I took a different tack to a lot of the other guys, or say drivers. Um, 
you know, I took my dog, for example, Nelson. He's just chilling in the back here. Um, I took my go-kart with me, my bike, all my training kit. So wherever I land, I'm just making sure that I'm in a position to either rent an Airbnb or stay with someone to keep my life actually normal. The fact that I'm in a different state is not ideal. But um, so that way, I guess, you know, I'm having to use Google Maps a bit more because I'm not at home. I don't know where I'm going. But uh, it's like normalities, you know, this the last two mornings, I'm now up in, in Queensland. I've been out on the bike to my morning training session. This afternoon, I'm going for a swim. I've got Nelson there. The routine is actually completely normal. Um, and I'm not in a hotel room, which is um, very fortunate. Yeah. So I guess I've put a lot of emphasis on making sure um, everything stays the same. I'm just in a different location. And, you know, It's hard to say goodbye to uh, family, friends, and loved ones. But um, I've tried to keep as much normal as I could. And you know, I think I recently read... Um, Waters at an interview on Cam Waters, and he said, Look, you know, coming into Eastern Creek, we weren't prepared, we couldn't train the normal way, you know, life was a bit difficult, and he felt probably a little bit unprepared heading to the second round of Sydney. So that's why I put a lot of effort into making sure I was in a situation where it was normal, it was just I'm waking up in a different bedroom kind of thing. So, yeah, um, so far, so good. Um, but I'm going to base myself out of Queensland now until probably after Bathurst, to be honest, I'll just stay yeah. up. Um, I don't want the stress of keeping moving around. Um, I don't want to go back to Sydney or, or Albury, nowhere near Sydney, um, yeah. or, or Melbourne and then get stuck um, yeah. or have to mm. flee out and quarantine. At the moment, if I just stay in Queensland, there's no quarantining. There's, I'm just living my normal life, um, albeit away from people because I'm still very conscious about, you know, self-isolating myself. No, not locking myself away, but, you know, I'm not out about at shopping centers or doing anything like that i'm literally out on the bike or with nelson or maca it's you know it's not yep. it's definitely different but um yeah handling it the best way i can good on you mate sounds fantastic what a great year it's been for you so far may continue for the remainder of 2020 we really appreciate your time here on the grid no worries thank you nick Perkat joining us here on the grid this is on the grid on mypodcasthouse.com all right, joining us for our weekly chat, Ree Motorsport, Dale Rogers also joins us from the racetalk.com. Hello, Dale. Hey, Tony and Rich, how are you? I've just taken off my face mask, so you might be able to understand me down here in Victoria. <laughs> yes, I, I feel for you guys. I really oh. do over here in Freedom, South Australia. Um, you now, know, what did the... your weekend entail, Richard? What did my weekend entail? Was there going to a pub at all? I went to the pub, yeah. Was he going to other people's houses at all? I actually did, you know. I dropped in at a friend's place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was that was delightful. Um, practiced our social distancing, of course, but um yeah, no. my weekends were identical, sitting yeah. on the couch doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did exactly the opposite of what Richard did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we, we don't want to make light of the situation, but uh it's pretty good being in a, a free part of uh, <laughs> a free part of Australia. Uh which oh, is yeah, basically yeah. all of the rest of it. Uh, for those of you playing at mm-hmm. home who might not be up on the situation here in Australia, if you're listening through RS1, Radio Southern Limited Network of Channels, um, the Victorians uh, have buggered it for everyone. So, Having said um, that, I did hear only an hour or two ago that the Northern Territory have actually shut their borders to people from New South Wales as well now. Yeah, so they have. They but that's anything happening? No, well, they have, but that's why all the supercar teams left for Queensland. Correct. Was to get in without having to ISO for two weeks, they had to go via like, Queensland. So, and spend two weeks in Queensland before going to the Northern Territory, which is this logistical nightmare that uh, supercars have found themselves in in the last uh, last little period of time. But nevertheless, heading for the top end, which is cool. And um, yeah, interesting times in the world of motorsport, isn't it? 
So Queensland is effectively the sporting capital of the world at the moment. Yeah, I don't know if I like it, Chebex. <laughs> Neither do I. Like you, you Victorians claim that you are, and, and there would be a certain well, argument. Yeah, fair enough. Rightly, mm, there's an argument to be had that, yes, it is. But I think we all agree as Southerners that we can't abide Queensland having all of this fun. I just don't think, Dale, that's how this should work, surely. No, but of course the problem is that half of Queensland are ex-Victorians, so you've got that sort of double twenty. So, <laughs> so that's their uh, problem. Oh, they didn't shut the border early enough. No, they shut the border twenty years ago. Years, yeah. Years ago yeah. But uh, yes, all our sporting codes seem to be generating mm. from places other than where Tony and I live, and uh, so that's become uh, TV uh, TV heaven for us. But uh, yeah, I think the supercar uh, situation—they have handled the the whole process very well. They've moved swiftly. They've been very fleet of foot. Um, the teams have responded beautifully. All the Victorian teams housed now in, in, uh, in good facilities in Queensland. And they head off to, uh, a, a, for the first time, a, a two-week-in-a-row event in Darwin, which I, I think you know, should be spectacular. So all we can do, boys, is speculate. And we've done a fair bit of this over the last uh, couple of months because we really don't know the future. No one can seem to tell us. And that's fair enough because no one knows it. We know we've got two events coming up in Hidden Valley. It looks like we're going to have back-to-back. Yeah, I don't think supercars have confirmed yet, but it looks like we will have back-to-back events in Townsville as well. Sandown is scheduled for post-Townsville. <laughs> now, Not the way Victoria is still going, one would feel that they would be absolutely... It, 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 they just cannot bring the teams to Victoria knowing that they're going to try and run other events off the back of that because no. quarantine and the like, it just won't happen. So one would think that our speculation... And of a couple of weeks ago, that the bend comes back into calculation is probably on the mark. One, what would you reckon, boys? Well, look, I'd throw money at there being double Darwin, so that's event four and five of the year. And and keeping in mind they need nine, we believe contractually to meet their obligations to Fox Sports. Um, so we've had three Adelaide and two per uh, and two at Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, double Darwin is four and five and then across to Townsville for six and seven. Um, the, the theory I've got is that there'll be one in the middle in September uh, in a non-restricted state, which is at this point in time, uh, either Northern Territory, South Australia or Queensland. Uh, and then they'll go to Bathurst in October and that could be it. That might be the end of it. Contractually, that gets them to the right point where they can meet their requirements from a TV point of view. Maybe they just push stop at Bathurst. Maybe this, the final round in December doesn't go ahead at, at Sydney Motorsport Park. And then they send everybody home and we have a long off season to make up for being away for what will be three and a half months by mid-October. Um, I, I, it doesn't seem possible that they go to Tasmania, given to get to Tasmania, you have to transit through Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and the West Australian government, while they've let Aussie rules football in, they've certainly shown absolutely no inclination to open their borders to anybody else um, to get over to the West. And that would strike me as a very long way to go to do one round. So maybe they did two over there as well. That, that would, for me, be the other potential is that they do go to Perth with an agreement from the West Australian government, given they'd be coming from Queensland in the first place. Um, and making that trip across. But then the other thing you have to realise is that, that there's a cost component here and teams are burning money by not being at their workshops. So this is all costing money, whether it's in temporary accommodation, whether it's in 
borrowing facilities or paying for stuff on the road, even just covering costs of feeding people while you're on the road, this is burning money. So do you need to do a 6,000 K round trip to Perth with all the cost in diesel that it entails flying people or traveling them? Do you need to do that? Do you, do you waste the money? Um, these are all the considerations that come into account with the calendar. And I would hate to be in, in North Sydney at supercars HQ trying to work all this out because it just changes week after week. So, but I, I boys, I reckon if, if I had to put a, a percentage on it, I reckon we're 50, 50 now that the season finishes at Bathurst and in early October. Yeah. The, the AFL have already said that they're burning in excess of $4 million a week to keep their teams, um, you know, in the hubs they're in. And I'm sure that if you added up the, the supercars, people we've got all over the place interstate at the moment, uh, there'd be a couple of mil being burnt regularly on that as well. Um, it's Having interesting. said that, though, Tickford have got some very cheap dolphin technicians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the octopuses do great with pit changes, with pit <laughs> stops. It, it, it's interesting when you theorise that. I mean, I know there's been a lot of stocks put in the finishing in Sydney and uh, the New South Wales is, is the finishing point. We know that from... Uh, but, you know, for, after Bathurst, it's, there's really nowhere to go uh, that's going to be, at this point in time, easy transit. Um, but it's funny because a lot of people have said for many, many moons that Bathurst should be the grand final of our series. Um, that that it's it's weird for a spectator to or the fans to see the the ultimate race and then you go on and do three or four different races other places. The casual observer never quite understands it. Maybe this year it's going to be that the grand final really is at the mountain. But I still think that the, the you know the Sydney uh, the Sydney one, if they can if the teams can come home after Bathurst, as you say, even if they have to go to the Bend, they can't keep them away until December. Um, no, you know, no, no. It's no. impossible. They have to return to base at some point. No. <laughs> even keeping them away till October is an extraordinary amount of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they keep them away for that long, you'd, you'd, they'd be because of the United Nations humanitarian aid yeah. centre, I would have thought, <laughs> to get some help for these people. No, they can't do that, which, which is why I, I think that there's a real chance that they'll go to Bathurst to make sure they get that in. And, and finishing there would tick the box with the New South Wales government in finishing in New South Wales yeah. as well from a tourism point of view. Well, it's another um, 10 weeks away, isn't it, Bathurst, effectively? You've got all of August, all of September, and then a week or two into, yes, into October, nine, so it's still it's 10 nine weeks. weeks. Yeah, nine weeks. Like it's, but in reality, it's not that long, is it? No, it'll go quick. Like, especially, no, if got, especially if you've got two weekends in Darwin, two weekends in Townsville. Yeah, and then maybe one more. So there's five weekends of that nine-year racing Correct. anyway. So they'll need all that time in between to prep cars. So, yeah, look, it's, it's a real possibility. Do you know... Interesting point, Dale. I've never, ever bought the whole we should finish at Bathurst scenario. And I remember they tried it once and Scaife, I think when one of the years, Scaife won the championship and no one cared that he won the championship that day no. because he won the great race. And no, no right. one gave no. It a crap no. about it. And I've, no. I've just, no other major series in the world finishes with their major event. No, no. I mean, IndyCar uh, in mid-May is the Indy 500 and, and, and NASCAR start with it. But it's and always been a topic of discussion. Well, so. And there's yeah. been a lot of people, and, and of course Le Mans in, in June, a lot of people, uh, a lot of drivers have said that, that the ultimate prize is the championship too because mm. that's what matters from February to December every year. That's mm. the sole gap to take. Yes, one of them is the showcase event. But if you had your time over, you'd win a championship yeah. many, many times over. And hello to Dale's dogs who joined yes, us. Yes, they're the back. They've rejoined well. us again. They've rejoined us, yes. He's still alive, believe it or not. 
it is yeah. it is quite funny though to the extent and you talk about people remembering and and actually having some sort of interest in the championship i don't know if that was the case five or six years ago i, I reckon five or six or seven years ago most people would remember who won bathurst in that year but wouldn't remember who won a championship if you ask them about previous years of racing but i reckon the championship has become more important in the last four or five years i don't know why but i just no. i just feel that there's been more of an importance from the spectator and the fan towards actually honoring the champion but i, I think a lot of that's down to who wins it shebex oh, it could and, be. and different drivers have different outtakes and they all love winning the championship but it's the old craig lounge jamie winkup thing like two amazing drivers the two most successful touring car drivers in the last two decades in our sport and both have different priorities if you offered craig the chance to win a championship or bathurst he'd take bathurst yeah jamie would take a championship every day of the week every day yeah, yeah. so I, I think a lot of it depends on on the um on the outcome of who wins it and, and i think especially in recent history you look at the recent champions it's shane van gisbergen had been a long time contender, but had never done the job. And then there was this story of the McLaughlin story of missing out at the final hurdle and then um, the redemption arc. And yeah. so, so much focus was put on winning the championship for those drivers in the last two or three years. And we've been fortunate in that we've had some incredible showdowns. You know, Newcastle two years ago will stay with us forever. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just down to the scenario. But yeah, you know, I've never never bought into the whole finish of Bathurst thing. It Bathurst you could run out of the championship. And I know some people would argue for that, that it doesn't even need to be part of it. I think it should. Yeah. Um, because so. it's an important race. And if you stuff up Bathurst, it should affect your hopes of winning the championship. Yeah, for sure. Because I I, I reckon if you win the title and have a shocking Bathurst, just a little exclamation point that your year hasn't been quite as good as it could be. And you remember yeah. back in the day all the talk was the triple crown was winning the championship Sandown and Bathurst and only Brock had done it. And then in 96 Lowndes was the first driver since his mentor to win all three big ones in the year. And it was just this celebrated massive achievement of winning the three major parts of touring car racing in the Australian motor racing landscape. Now there's less significance on that now because they ruined the heritage of Sandown when they shifted off to Queensland and then Phillip Island and shuffled around. But yeah, there's something in that. And look, if you had an endless supply of cash and you were promoting the championship, I reckon you'd go, all right, well, you win Bathurst in the championship in the same year, 100 grand bonus. Mm. Something along yeah. those lines. It, sure. Like NASCAR did it in I think 1988 and they offered a, a million dollar bonus to whoever won the major super speedway races in the year at Talladega and Daytona and Bill Elliott yeah. won it and Bill. became million dollar Bill. Um back in the days before restrictor plate NASCAR racing. But um, yeah, look, it's an interesting and deep philosophical debate. The other thing I think we need to talk about boys is TV world and some yes. pretty big news this week that network 10 has confirmed that they are out of supercars and indeed potentially all motor racing uh, as of the end of this year. So it's been talked about for a long time that the free to air component of supercars next TV deal is up for grabs. Um, and it just puts all of the emphasis on Channel 7 on covering that. And they've already done a significant deal to cover the ARG and Shannon Internationals categories on 7Mate for the next couple of years. So 
Um, it looks like now supercars will be heading back to the screens of seven in the future. And that then, Dale, opens up a broader discussion because all of a sudden you've got the ARG categories, TCR, S5000, Touring Car Masters and supercars on the same network. And all of a sudden that opens up some avenue for some crossover. Yeah, the, the way it was actually announced, Rich, just to, to go back a little bit, is it's interesting that the two major announcements uh, that have occurred, well, certainly TEN's announcement and, and the fact that things were, were moving in the two world, have actually never been released to the motorsport media. They've all gone to the Australian yeah. Financial Review. Mm. Uh, and it's shown that, that from the industry point of view and from the network's point of view, they see this as news to the business community and the wider community. And they yeah. placed the stories with the AFR because nothing was set, nothing was actually issued to the motorsport media about it. So um, it is interesting. I think the the it's a done. You know, you'd have to say it's a done deal. People are still talking about nine other things anyway in the world. Nine are going to bid for it. Um, so you've got plenty of you've got plenty of space on these uh, digital channels uh, across the network. The calendar is going to be a really interesting thing to do because it, now you're going to have to find that seven will be wanting to be at the table uh, when the calendars for 2021 are set because they're going to have to have a bit of say in it because they will not want um, some things that, that, that interrupt their other scheduling. So apart from the, the marquee events, the Bathurst and where we know we've got to go, um, there's going to be some shuffling of calendars for sure. And of course, as you say, um, you, you're going to have potentially weekend on weekend on weekend of solid motorsport on seven. What we don't know yet though, is what the FTA component or the free-to-air component would be of a new network deal. We know what Fox Sports do, and Fox Sports do an awesome job, and we, we've, we've often said that. At the moment, there's only six events on 10. I think you know, there's the, the, some talk about in, increasing that. We don't yet have an insight into what it looks like on a new network, and you would hope that we don't go back to this uh, highlights thing when you've got the ARG package, which has announced that it's going to be live, um, that you go to a uh, you know a four o'clock hour package and a ten thirty package on the main network, which we had twenty years ago. So um, to do it justice, the deal is going to have to be that they take it on lock, stock, and barrel and do the telecast and a, and a bridge version of the Fox. Is the ARG deal? That's not for the full day though, is it? That's only two or three hours of racing. No, the ARG deals uh, Saturday and Sunday, and it, and it, I think it works out to be about three hours a day. Yeah. depending on where it all sits, which is fine. Substantial. Um, but the remainder of it is on plus seven or seven plus, which is yeah. their app. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look now I'll, I'll put my hand up now and say I'm part of that ARG deal. I'll be calling S5000 and TCM and the six hour for them if it happens. Um, but I, I have no insider knowledge on this supercar component of this theorized seven deal. And I know as much has been, speculated in the media but the common talk in the the industry press and not motorsport the tv industry press has been that it may be one live race around so whether that's the saturday race or a sunday race and then a highlights component but it wouldn't surprise me if seven up the ante bit and and maybe go well let's show it on plus seven on the app so it may be a case of you'll get a live race it may not be on seven mate it might be on the app instead because on it, all these tv stations are pushing their digital side real hard yep. and making sure that their content on their mobile phones is big so if if your channel seven and you can go yep supercar is going to be live on seven mate throughout the year forget the main channel outside of bathurst it won't happen because that's where afl yeah. sits and afl is the biggest rating sport 
in yeah. Australia at the moment. Remembering, and though, I'm, that AFL is only on seven in a normal season, Friday night, Saturday night, and, and Sunday, Sunday afternoon. afternoon. Well, supercars window. Yeah, correct. But Saturday afternoon is not, so you could get definitely yeah. racing well, on Saturday afternoon. 100%. But what I'm, what I'm saying is I, I don't think they'll bother with that, Shebex. I think they want to drive people to mate anyway, which is why they've done that with this. Yes, correct, yeah. With, with the ARJ deal as well. And this is the thing, and, and this is a marketing thing, I think, that as a sport we need to do better and a, a, the TV industry needs to do better. It doesn't matter if it's on seven, if it's on seven, mate, if it's on seven, two, if it's on plus seven, it's free to air. Everybody can now get the digital channels. So 10 years ago, when supercar racing got bumped off the main channel on channel seven, wasn't there a few seven, mate? There there was, but it doesn't matter now. It like everyone can get seven, mate. So it, it shouldn't matter where it's shown on the screens of seven. Yeah. Because it will be free to air and it will be free to view. Um, yeah, so for mine, the interesting thing in this deal will be watching, seeing what the exclusive component for Fox is. And I'm, I'm convinced there still will need to be a, a reasonably decent chunk of exclusivity for Fox and whether that's some races, some rounds, definitely all the qualifying and practice the Friday and Saturday stuff, which rates really well anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely support categories. Um, Super 2, Carrera Cup, whatever might happen. Um, yeah, and then what the balance is. But it wouldn't surprise me if they take a bit of a punt and go, do you know what, we're going to shuffle some of this to the app and just see what the reaction is. And that might be a real driver for Seven to get people to download the Plus Seven app Yeah. Um, and, and watch supercars on that. And the beauty of that is, at least in my house, I can Chromecast that to my TV over my Wi-Fi and it's like watching television. Yeah, but, but once again, most TVs now, let's say can, 50 smart, to 60 smart TV, at least. Yeah smart tvs and they've got it anyway like my grandmother has a smart tv yeah right she's 85 and yep. uses it so yeah and if, that, if there's one thing COVID has done it's increased the sale of home electronics yeah exactly right yes. so but but it's a but there's a perception issue that that needs to be handled both by the sport yeah. and by the broadcaster in sure. question it's, now, it's one question out of that how do we are if if we're right, and I, I, you know, I think common sense says we we're in the right direction here. What happens at Albert Park? Because we go back to the point where um, the, the the supercar host network is not um, it's now it's now a championship round. They are not the host broadcaster. Uh, Fox, yes, clearly will will we'll can take it. But what what hap- what would actually happen? We're we're back to those dark days again, aren't we? Uh, are we? It's a good point. Channel 10's rights are up at the end of the year, is my understanding, for the Australian Grand Prix. Mm. But so, Seven won't have the rights to go to, to show out of the AGP, will they? Oh, they probably would. would they could well, show the Seven's rights races. are up. Ten's rights are up, though, Shebex. So, oh, yeah, so you're they? saying Seven might have a go? Yeah. yeah. Why, why, they may go after F1. Well, they're not showing, F1's not being shown on free-to-air at all, so... Well, um, no, exactly right. But they may, But the Australian Grand Prix has to be shown on free-to-air. That's right, it has to be, for, it's, it's on one the, of the non-siphoning events. And the yeah. siphoning list. So it has to be shown on free-to-air TV here. So um, maybe they go after the AGP. See, it rates, it rates really well. Really well, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Perfect lead-in, because it's generally on all the week before Aussie Rules starts. Yeah. Yes. So what and a perfect, perfect way. Straight off the back of the Adelaide 500 where interest is at a peak. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a rating bonanza. We know. What, what a yeah. perfect way to launch into your footy season. Um, yeah. Like, but the other, like, who knows? Um, 
But and the, one thing Seven do is they do cross promoting very well. They sure do. Be yeah. footballers yeah, and, for sure. and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the other thing to to take into account with all this is boys is that there's there's precedent for Seven and Fox working together because the twelve hour was simulcast on Seven Mate and Fox this year. Oh, yeah. the, foot, the footy's been Seven and Fox for a long time, and that seems to work well. But but that's a slightly different scenario because they handle their own production each network. Oh, no, I understand that. Yep. Whereas whereas the the twelve hour was the same feed when it was both yeah. yep. Seven had ad breaks, Fox didn't, but you had to pay for it. So and there there is one other really good thing about this, and. Uh, I think the, the paddock would say that James Warden was a very good friend of the of the supercars paddock, and it'd be great to see him back there from occasion because he's a ripper bloke. Yeah, and and I believe still owns a small shareholding in the sport. He does. He he's does. also on the board of the Australian Racing Group. Yeah, which is really interesting and helped yeah. facilitate that TV deal. Yeah, the the Warburton era at time copped criticism, but I think sometimes it's easy to look back quite fondly on it, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Without Absolutely. discrediting anybody in the current organisation. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I think he did a, a really solid job, you know, looking back on his period at, at the helm of the sport before he, he went on bigger and better things. Yeah, Jeez, look, it's, he's, it's... He's got nothing on, he's got nothing on Eddie McGuire then, has he? What do you mean? In regards to his TV deals and his oh, interest well. in sport. And... Well, he runs a network. Eddie tried that once and he did do a very good job. He did. And, he's not a, and he's not a commentator, so he, he no, doesn't no, have that problem. Good point. No. Hello to Eddie, if you listen yeah, to Eddie. on the grid. I don't know. He's <laughs> just mine. Yeah. Um, but no, interesting time. And this, it's critical for supercars in many ways that they get this TV deal right um, because it will have an influence on the sale of the sport. And Archer Capital have made no bones about the fact they want to get out. Um, the, I, I think the sale will be hurried, if not hurried through it, will be pressed pretty hard as soon as this TV deal is done. And it wouldn't surprise me if the teams give up a bit more equity, boys, to help fund Gen 3. To get to get into the twenty twenty two wouldn't uh, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Bathurst an early finish this season then probably makes even more sense with all that because there's so much work to do for next year that uh, it'd be fantastic if they could take their focus early off this year's season, write it off, finish it early, in October, and just actually start getting ready for next year. Yeah, well, Gen three still you know eighteen months Not two away, years away, correct? Speak, yeah. But yeah, look, there'd, there'd be an argument to have six months off before we get to February in the 12 hour and or all the Adelaide 500, depending on how the start of next year rolls out. So, um, yeah. Hey boys, we speak of scheduling, uh, just having a look overseas, IndyCar have had to do a fair bit of playing with their scheduling as well. Yeah, they have. Um, California not going particularly well in the old COVID battle as, as most of the United States are having real struggles, but uh, they've elected to not go west. Portland was the crunch there. So mm. they um, Portland's had real tight restrictions. They've been one of the states doing a good job. Um, and it was group gatherings of over 100 were banned, which was like Melbourne was six months ago um, and is right now. Um, so they weren't going to just go and run at Laguna Seca. It's a long way to travel. Um, so they've, they've boned that. They've added another race at Mid-Ohio. So it's another win for Scott Dixon. Um, and then they've added another race at Gateway and another race, I believe, at Indianapolis on the road course. So they still have their 14 um, and that will complete the season. So, yep, tough times in the US. But IndyCar's done a really solid job. Um, and I, I think this might change the way they go IndyCar racing in the future. They've, they've tried these double header events before, but they've done them at really dodgy events like Detroit, which is a car breaker. Yeah. Um, but they've worked really well. The Road America... Double header was great. The Iowa double header on the short oval was really impressive. So, 
it wouldn't surprise me if you see more double headers in IndyCar racing in the future. It really makes sense. And we've got a big double header of the UK this weekend, uh, where we we go to Silverstone for two consecutive. Yeah. So uh, yeah, well, it's that's you know no crowd at Silverstone is going to be a very interesting place. It's such a big place. We've all been there, and it's a, it's an amazing circuit to go to. But an empty Silverstone would be a, is going to be a very very interesting place to to race. But you know, I think the um, it, they should be good events. You, you never know. UK, you're probably going to get a you know squall and a downpour at some stage. You'll be good. That's the Alan Jones theory of making it wet. You'd be um, really disappointed if you have two British Grand Prix in a year and none of them are wet. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, true. What are the odds? Yeah. No. Um, boys, before we wrap this up, I want uh, just grab one plug, if I may. Uh, South Australian state racing is back this weekend for the first time uh, at Malala, and it's a pretty significant event, the Ryan Panovich Memorial Trophy for Hyundai Excels. Um, Are you promoting that? Uh, I'm involved, Shebex, yeah, which good. is why I'm talking about it now. Um, 41 entries. Wow. No interstaters. 41 entries, which is just outstanding. It's, it is a fantastic event. Um, the grid capacity at Malala is 36. Um, and they've actually got a last chance qualifier race as part of the format. Wow. So it's a bit like Indy 500 sense. bumping. It's like yeah. bump day to get into the final. It's cool. Um, so really looking forward to that. Um, you'll be able to follow it through the Race Chalks social channels. We're a sponsor of the event. Uh, really proud to be part of it. Um, it's named after a, uh, a state-level motorsport competitor who was tragically killed in a, a road accident a couple of years ago. And um, the community over here really got behind that family and the Excel community. And it's a terrific, terrific event. And I'm just looking forward. It'll be my first car race, boys, since Friday the 13th of March. Wow. at the Australian Grand Prix. So uh, I cannot wait to get out to my old stomping ground at uh, Malala Motorsport Park. Well, and, um, next year we'll have to take on the grid there and do on the grid live and live commentary. What about uh, on the grid, on the grid? Well, we, at Malala. Dale and I are looking at bringing that back. Well, I, I don't know if it'll be this year, but I think it'll be great fun. No, um, so just to plug to that, uh, facebook.com forward slash uh, Ryan Panovich Memorial. You'll find it there and that's got all the info. It'll be a good fun event. Fantastic. Guys, always great to catch up with you. Uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, next week, maybe. We'll preview Darwin yeah. uh, and ask the question, can Scott McLaughlin go four in a row in the top end? Because he's won. If you go on the old round model that everyone's talking yep. about, he's won the last three. And the holder of the triple crown. Yeah, the only driver to do it. So, be interesting uh, to see what happens. I'm going to be bloody annoyed to not be in Darwin. Yeah, oh, I'll throw that out there right now before so, we preview it. It is our favourite event. Yeah. The, uh, the the Uber fraternity, I think they might be feeling pretty <laughs> comfortable about it. Though. No, no, there was a normal taxi. It wasn't an Uber. There, no, oh, it's definitely a taxi. taxi. There, there's a story about that, ladies and gentlemen, okay, uh, yeah, that we wait cannot the book possibly comes tell out. you. Uh, wait until the book comes out. Or maybe a, an edition of On the Grid Up Late. Down the road. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. Catch you next week. Dale, Thanks, Richard, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Again this week, we look forward to talking to you with our Darwin preview right here on The Grid.